Hello, you're listening to Boot Pit to Boardroom, a podcast about opportunity in agriculture. I'm Dustin Toberman, longtime ag veteran and founder of Omni Ag Consulting. And my name is Nick. I produce the podcast and ask questions. And today we'll be asking and answering, talking about talking. Really, it's all about all kinds of communication. But first, Dustin, let me talk to you a little bit. How are things going in your neck of the woods? The ag world is always rocking and rolling. Looking forward to, uh, you know, school getting back in session and uh, a lot of the events that we have there with the ag club. So fall is an exciting time. Definitely. It's my favorite time of the year, honestly. I mean, I've got my birthday, you've got the baseball playoffs, you've got Halloween, which is always fun. So it's, it, it's it really is mine as well. You know, I was uh, not only was I born there, uh, my brother was born there, my father was born there. Uh, I was married at the same time. My, my children's birthdays are there. So yeah, the fall, fall is a big deal to me. I am also a huge supporter of Halloween, already been thinking about what to go as this year. I don't know if you've come up with anything, but if you have any ideas, let me know. Yeah, I'm still stewing on it. You know, it's it's like you want to wait and see if there's some new news story that you can sort of capitalize on and, and take <laughs> advantage of. That's true. Halloween is a little different down here in Florida. You know, I had my first Halloween here a few years ago and, you know, coming from the Midwest, we'd always like to sit outside with the trick-or-treaters, maybe have a little... uh fire you know in the in the driveway and hand out candy and have warm drinks uh, it was about 95 degrees last halloween so a little bit different vibe but uh, you know you can't stay in your costumes too long you're you're liable to pass out from heat that's a good point i hadn't thought about that but i think you know i think like my wolfman mask that i used to enjoy w- would probably not go over well you're gonna have about five minutes in that baby before it's lights out so yeah make, make it quick well, it's it's nice catching up with you. I mean, it's part of our topic today is communication, and part of good communication is just being relaxed, not being too focused on on business. But to get into things, we know communication is important. But for agriculture specifically, Dustin, how does communication keep things moving? I mean, it's it's in everything we do, right? And and obviously, look what what you and I do here. Th- this is communication. You know, sharing these topics and, and information with all of our listeners, which by the way, thank you to all our listeners out there. And, and if, if you like what you're hearing today, please give us a good review. We always love to hear those and appreciate everybody yeah. that has so far. And, you know, communication, again, what we're doing right now, whether you're an ag or anything else, it's funny. I used to joke that communication is the answer. What's the question? You know, kind of a cheesy joke, but, but that's honestly how I feel about it. You know, I was reading an article recently that talked about the importance of communication. And it said that if you look around and, you know, Google it, Yahoo, whatever it is that you use, start, start clicking around and asking, you know, what are some of the most important skill sets that I'm going to use to either get an interview? You know, how do I get hired? How do I get that big promotion? You're going to see the common denominator is communication and why when it's great, it can take you places. And, and when it's poor, it can do just the opposite. So, you know, whether you're somebody that's coming into the industry or you're, you know, looking to advance your career, communication is so important. It really is. And I, I was trying to think of examples of jobs I've held where communication wasn't that important, and I could not. When I was washing dishes, communication mattered. When I was yeah. making ice cream cones, you know, it, it all mattered. So, and, and thank you for bringing up the, the ratings, too. We've seen ratings come in for the podcast. Thank you for everyone who's done that and who's followed and listened. We, we really appreciate that. And it communicates to us that, that you like what you hear. So if you have any questions or want to hear about some topics, reach out. But moving on to the next question. So who bears the responsibility of good communication in an organization? Whose job is it? Well, I, I think ultimately it falls down on everybody. And this is why it's so important. This goes back, I, you know, things go downhill. So it starts with leadership, right? I think leadership yeah. always sets the tone. And I think we can look at this from a couple different perspectives here. One, 
We can look at the leadership and how important it is to convey a message, goals, objectives, good communication to your team. But also it's important for the people that you bring in because these people's communication is, is going to you know, have an impact on your culture and how you communicate as a team. And when we bring on people that are poor communicators, as they climb the ladder, if they were able to, eventually that communication or poor communication is spread throughout our organization. And so it affects us. So even though it starts at leadership, it also starts at the very, very beginning of somebody who just wants to get an ag. And you know, you asked a second ago, and I, I want to circle back to that, is communication something that's, that's really important in ag? And I've said this before for a lot of different reasons, but I think it's one of those things that it's, it's just such a personal business, right? I don't think there's any other industry in the world that has the relationship with their product that the American farmer does, what are, you know, producers. And so I think that's why communication is so important, right? There, there's an emotional attachment to it as well. And when you look at those that are successful in our business, in the agribusiness versus those who aren't, I can go back in all my years of leadership and management and I can find the common denominator is going to be someone that understands and can communicate with their customers and producers. And so how important is it in ag? I think it's, it's everything. And I think really that's where it all starts, the good and the bad. Well, when I think about agriculture, I think about people from all walks of life, from different backgrounds. How is it to communicate with different kinds of people? Is that an important skill in agriculture? Sure. I, I think, you know, just the ability to relate to anyone, right? And that's, and that comes from good communication, which listening is a, is a part of that communication. You know, something, you know, the devil, you've, you've heard the, the, the expression, the devil's in the details. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that, particularly when you're talking to your producers, details matter. And so listening is a huge part of that conversation. When you ask a producer, you know, let's say uh, if you're coming from a, a merchandiser background and you're, you're interested in, in buying bushels, you know, from this, this producer, and you're having a conversation about how do things look this year? You know, what's damage like? You know, what, what kind of rain did you get? You know, what kind of yield are we expecting? All of, the, of that, that communication, all those details, I'll get balled up into helping you make better decisions. And so if you don't really have the ability to, you know, to listen and to have a conversation that allows you to get that kind of information, you're going to be at a serious disadvantage to those that do. Because really, that's where it comes from. When you look at the best merchandisers, it's those that are not only able to give the information and share that with their producers, but I think it just as important, if not more important, it's those who get that information in return. Well, and I'm curious to know in, in your career, Dustin, like, let me preface, the reason why I ask this is because I feel as though I learned to communicate on the job. That's not something that I really developed in school. I, I mean, to some extent, you're learning how to relate to different kinds of people at school, but how to communicate in a professional setting. That's something I learned in my career. So for your career, were there some early lessons you learned or how did you learn to communicate with people? You know, I, I think like a lot of times in life, we learn by our experiences and, and, and failing is an experience. You know, I, I, I have always been very critical of myself. I'm probably harder on myself than anyone that I've ever had. And I, I've been fortunate to have good examples and good leaders in my life. But when I look back at probably the best lesson, it was, Probably one of the things that I did early on in my career was talking over people and not listening, just like I mentioned a second ago, not listening to those details. And then I'd come back and I'd, I'd miss things. And I'd say, you know, I was just talking to this person. How could I have missed that? And it was really because I wasn't paying attention to what they were saying. You know, I'd ask a question, but I'm already thinking about my response. Mm. And that's not really good communication, right? It's, you know, you're, you're giving some of the benefit of the doubt and, you know, you're trying to show that you're a good listener, but you're not really hearing, you know, what they're saying. And I think so for me, when I looked and I started to go back and analyze where I made my mistakes, that's, that's one of the things that I learned from. But the, the other side of that is that you have to be willing to continue to put yourself out there. 
And yes. me as someone who was always interested in other people's stories, I would continue to go out. And even though I might make mistakes, you know, we learn from those mistakes. And that, that's ultimately what we're trying to get out of this is, is make it be a learning experience. And so when I learned really how to carry on a conversation, you know, the give and the take, I think that's when I, I was able to take my listening skills, my communication skills, and ultimately my leadership skills to another level. You know, it sounds simple, but it's not. The ability to listen and retain information. I mean, you're giving me an out-of-body experience right now because <laughs> as we speak, we're recording a podcast. I'm looking at a series of questions, things we need to get to. I'm looking at the waveform of the recording and I'm talking to you and I'm thinking and it's like, wow. I, I mean, this is not something I think I could have done. Uh, it's communication overload. Yes, it's a lot, a lot of information. And yeah, I agree. I think it takes practice and, and it takes messing up and learning. Do you remember any snafus earlier in your career and, and what, what did you learn? Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, going back to just that example I gave early on in my career where I was so excited to get someone to say yes. In other words, you know, you, you call, you throw out a price to a producer. Maybe they haven't bought from you before. And I'm really not even listening to the answer because I assume it's no. And all of a sudden, boom, I blurt out something. I don't listen to what they've got in a bin. Like, you know, for one example, I can remember I bought a bunch of beans that had been in a bin for a long time. And I was so excited just to get the, the guy to say yes, that I didn't listen to what he had. Oh, and so man. he had a bunch of bugs. They had smell. There was a lot of FM. And so it's one thing to buy the bushels, but now I've got to deal with this and I've got to bring this into my inventory. And now what, how is this going to affect the bushels that I already have? And I'll never forget when I went out there, I talked to the guy, I said, listen, I'm going to come out. I want to take a look at what you have in the bin. And, and you know, just to make sure I, I know what I'm getting. And we looked in there and I, and I instantly, I, I took a handful of this stuff and I said, this is junk. This is, this is crap. There's no wow. way I want to take this and put this back in my good tanks. And one of the things I said, I remember, I said, you know, listen, I don't remember you telling me that when we agreed on this price that it was like this. And he said, I absolutely told you this, right? And we went over the conversation and it was obvious to me that, that he had and that I, I had just overlooked it. I, I wasn't listening. And so that, that's a great example of why it's important to make sure that we're, that we're tuned in, you know, good communication back and forth. Because in this industry, a mistake like that can cost thousands of dollars or even worse, right? So it's, it's so important that we get those good details and we go back to that good communication. And what a valuable lesson too, because I think it maps over to all kinds of situations where you're too excited for the next moment to be in the current moment. You know, yeah. the end result was too exciting to pay attention. So that kind of leads me, and you mentioned leadership and how it ties into communication. What kind of environment do leaders need to create in order to facilitate great communication with their team? Instantly, I, one word comes to mind, and it's trust. Mm. Because when we trust, you know, we're, we're not afraid to be vulnerable. Vulnerability, to me, it opens up things. It opens up and gives us the opportunity to communicate. Because when we're not afraid to put ourselves out there, that's really, to me, where we start bursting through ceilings and barriers and we grow. Whether you're on a, you know, a big team, a little team, when you're not afraid to put yourself out there and, and to truly communicate, that's how we learn. And everybody around you learn. You know, I, I've seen a lot of, I've been in a lot of corporate settings where I know for a fact that based on the private conversations that I've had with people before we got in the meeting, they felt one way. But because they were afraid to speak up in the larger setting, because maybe they were, you know, fear of being wrong, being laughed at, to making a mistake, that they didn't throw their ideas or their opinions out there. And so, you know, maybe it didn't cost us anything, but maybe it did. You know, maybe we missed out on a better opportunity, a different idea to make a trade, a different idea to execute a plan. 
you know, that we could have had had that individual not been afraid to speak up. And so I think, I think it's all, when I think of leadership and, and how can you instill that in your team, I think it starts with trust. And I think that's something that if we could go back to the interview process, I think that's, that's one thing on the flip side of that is, I think that's another thing that candidates are looking for these days in the interview. We're so far beyond just taking a look at the resume. But now, as I've mentioned before, candidates are interviewing you every bit as much as they're interviewing, you know, you're, you're interviewing them. And so one of the things that they're looking for is, do I feel that trust? Do I feel that I can engage with these people? Do I feel that I have the opportunity to be the best that I can be? Are they open-minded? Are they willing to listen to outside ideas? These are the kind of things that candidates want. And so even though it's great for your organization, I also want to you know, remind people, keep that in mind when you're interviewing candidates today, because when they feel that they don't have that kind of opportunity, they're looking somewhere else. Okay. So I'm thinking of like an environment of fear and how that stifles communication. How does that sort of environment come to be? You've probably been in teams where people are afraid to speak up. I have been. How does that happen? And then on the flip side, how can you remedy that? How can you address it? Yeah, well, I'd ask you, even you know, even though we come from different backgrounds, when sure. you think back to the leaders that you had, I would be willing to bet when if you were to make two categories, you had a good leader and a bad leader. There, there might be various reasons why you know e- either was good or bad. Yeah, I would be willing to bet that communication, you know, whether it's good communication or poor communication, found its way on that list. And so, even think about it right now. When you think about the good leaders that you had, what are some of the reasons why they were good? And when you think about communication, did they allow for open communications? You know, was it an open-minded leader, or were they shutting everything down? One thing that I encountered multiple times, and I had, I've had mostly, I'd say, positive experiences, but of those negative ones, the situation is you are not sure what's going on. The communication isn't consistent. And then you're afraid to ask. Oh, yeah, the worst. When, when you ask, you kind of get shut down or, or you know, put in a corner. So that's the worst is when you haven't been told, you haven't been really fully debriefed or communicated with, and you don't feel that freedom to ask. Because I've had plenty of bosses who don't tell me everything, but I know that I can go get clarity when I need it. And, and I would agree 100%. When I think about the good versus the bad that I've had and what you just described there, that kind of environment, I could almost feel it in my stomach. We've all been there, I think. You know, we've all had leaders that, that you were afraid to speak up with. And you think about how much that hurts the communication and, and, you know, within the organization or within your team and what that leads to ultimately. You know, missed opportunities, maybe, uh, you know, losing great team members that had real impact and a positive impact, not only on the team, but on the business on the bottom line. And that's really what's at stake here. You know, we're, we're, you're willing to sacrifice that if you don't have great communication. And, and you know, I think all of us have been there. I know thinking about myself in those same situations, the good versus the bad, you know, on the positive side, I've had some great leaders. But when I think about the best, the ones that come to mind, and, and I've had a couple here that really stand out in my mind, that not only did I realize that they were willing to listen, but they were willing to back me because of, you know, me stepping out and explaining myself and say, listen, I think we're onto something here. Like, let's, let's give this a go, right? It's one thing to say, hey, listen, you know, we appreciate you chiming in, but it's another thing to say, you know what? We were, we were thinking about going this direction, but I think we're going to, we're going to change course here. You know, I appreciate you chiming in. Let's go for it. To me, there was nothing more empowering, whether it's your idea or someone else's idea. Everybody in the room sees that. You know, and they see that a leader is open to ideas, right? As opposed to the person who says, uh, it's my way or the highway. I rule with an iron fist, right? It's my call. You know, I don't want to hear it from anybody else. All that does is shut down growth opportunity and makes, makes people start looking outside for, for something else to do or somewhere else to go. 
Right. And, and, and the flip side, when it's great, it brings you together. You know, we're always talking about this culture and how do we bring people together? Make them feel like their ideas matter. You know, communicate. That's where it all comes from. Yes, yes. I, I, and I don't need the, the manager, the boss to, to do what I ask them to. I don't need them to take my idea and run with it. I need them to listen, understand, and consider it. That's it. Right. Now, what are some red flags uh, if you've seen in an organization that communication has broken down? Well, I, I think probably how you described, right? You're afraid to speak up. <laughs> We've all been there too, where you get into a meeting, you know, you've got 10, 15 people sitting around a, a big executive table and they say, okay, let's open it up. And nobody says anything. Well, there you go. To me, that's the biggest red. That's, that's the pink elephant in the room that no one wants to discuss. Why aren't our team members willing to speak up? There's a reason there. Right? Yeah. Once you get to a certain level and if you're all, you know, you're a cohesive group and you're not willing to stick your neck out, there's probably a reason why. It's probably been chopped off before. Or they realize that, you know what, every, this is another common one. Yeah, every time I speak up, you know, I get mocked for it or I get told that my ideas are silly and you know, I'm not thinking things through or, or worse, they're just kind of dismissed. Right. And, you know, and, and who would want to participate in an environment like that? Because I'll be honest, as a leader, I welcome, you know, I don't want to say there's any stupid suggestions, but I bring on the stupid suggestions too. Yes. Because sometimes it takes the, the, the stupidest suggestions when all else has failed are all you got, let's give it a try. And the fact that you're even willing to bring that up, that says more to me than anything else. And, and another thing that I think of, and I almost, I hesitate to bring this up because it almost sounds kindergarten, but looking people in the eyes. Uh, I, I've had leaders, I've had managers, the poor communicators, they won't even look at you. And, and that's something I learned at an early age. We've talked about this. When I was a kid, I, I was shy and, and my parents were like, you got to look at people when you talk to them. You got to look. Right, so I yeah. go to church and, and I was like, wow, these adults are responding to me now because I'm looking them in the eye. And I've been in a lot of professional situations and I bet this is a challenge for a lot of young people today who meet virtually all the time. But eye contact, that's a simple thing, but it's important, right? It's, it's so big. And then, man, that's such a great point. And, you know, not only because of, you know, the Zoom meetings and the, all the different virtual meetings that we have these days, but also just the ability to pick up a phone and send a text to someone. And of course, I'm using text. I'm, I'm probably considered the dinosaur. I don't even know if the younger generation uses text anymore. It's probably some, you know, far out app that I'm not even familiar with. But, you know, when I, when I see the young generation coming in today, that's a great point, you know, that you had to learn because you were meeting people face to face. I think the younger generation that's coming into the professional world doesn't have those same opportunities. And so if we go all the way back to, you know, when we first start interviewing, this is why it's so important to show that you can communicate early. Because as we talked about in the beginning, I think that communication is the golden ticket, whether you're looking to, you know, get the interview, to get hired or to even get promoted. If you can demonstrate that you can communicate, you can do anything. And I will tell you that as I start to talk to these companies, a lot of clients are telling me now, you know, I think kind of the, the pendulum has swung to where before, you know, we might've looked at some of the problem solving skills, you know, some of the intelligence, the ability to do the job, and all those are always important and they matter. But if you can do those and you can't communicate, I think it's a deal breaker. And so one of the things that, that I look for in a lot of these, you know, when, when I'm, whether I'm going to ag fairs or, or doing interviews for clients, I look for that ability to communicate. And I'm telling you in the first minute, I can determine who is going to be a communicator and who is not. And this is why it's so important. We've talked about this before when we, we talked about interviews and, and we did uh, career fairs. 
if you can show in that first 30 second little pitch that you get, and that might be the only time you get with at the table with, you know, a prospective company, if you can demonstrate that you know your story, you're, you're, you're well-spoken, you're calm, you're confident, going back to what you said, you can look someone in the eye, you can almost have a smile on your face, they can feel the confidence, that alone, regardless of what you say, that alone is enough to get you in with a company and get your foot in the door. I think you've laid out the central challenge to, to that kind of communication, which is knowing your story, knowing your background, understanding how you would respond. But at the same time, in the moment, being able to pivot and respond and to actually address what's being asked of you in an off-the-cuff kind of way. Absolutely. And, and again, you know, this is something that I think it comes from practice. And you mentioned being able to pivot, you know, being flexible, being able to have a give and take. You know, if you can carry on, when I think about our business going out and buying grain, you're going to buy more grain at, at a farmer's bin or on his farm, at a coffee shop or at a diner than you're ever going to on the phone. Those come from conversations. And if you think about those conversations and every time you get together, it's awkward, I can tell you, you're not going to have too many more of those because that person's going to decide it's like pulling teeth just trying to talk to this individual. But when you can roll with it, take the punches because farmers are always tough. They're always coming at you with, you know, I need a better price. I need a better discount schedule. I need a better timing schedule when I can deliver. When you can roll with it and handle the, the rocks they're throwing at you, that really shows that you're on your feet, you're a thinker, you're a communicator. And those are the people that they want to do business with. And it's, it's going to make a world of difference. Well, and this is more for, I'd imagine, our managers who might be listening or people who've been in the industry for a while. But who is really on the hook when communication breaks down at, a, at an organization? Ultimately, I, I think it's the leadership because I think that that's something, again, it, it rolls downhill. And I think they set the tone. And here's a great example. You know, unfortunately, the, the, the dark side of what I did in my role in the commercial agribusiness world was sometimes as a leader, you, you have to you know, remove people that are, aren't good for your team. And one of the things that I always did, I always made sure that I, I took the exit interviews myself and I wanted to speak to those people and ask, you know, where did we go wrong? And I would go back and I'd analyze, okay, what, what, what happened? You know? and, and you can usually go back to some type of miscommunication, a misunderstanding, goals and objectives weren't clearly stated. And I always put that back on myself. Because somewhere along the way, I failed, whether I failed directly or indir indirectly because my manager didn't you know, convey the message properly. And so I think a good leader takes the communication upon themselves. And if they're not engaged and if they're not invested in trying to make communication something that's important throughout the organization, I think that's where it starts to break down. Because when they have to answer to you and they realize that you're engaged and you're, you know, you're constantly feeding them information, I think it's only natural that that spreads throughout the group. If they see that you're cut off, you know, hey, I don't have an open door policy, I, I'm not really willing to listen to new ideas, they're going to treat their people the same way. And so that's why I think it really starts at the top with good leadership and they need to know just how important it is for good communication. And I think that's something also when you start with the new hires, even at the bottom, that they realize coming into the group, hey, listen. Even if the person that you're working with or alongside of isn't a great communicator, I want you to be a good communicator because I want the people that come aboard to raise the bar, not lower it. So even if we you know, didn't have it in middle management, let's say, let's make you the first of the new wave that is going to be a better communicator. And that's why it's so important to get this message out that if you're, I think if you're somebody that's breaking into the organization or even relatively new in your career and you're looking to climb, be a communicator you're the type of person that's going to be looked at for leadership down the road. Even if, you know, your, your trading game isn't as strong, even if you struggle in certain areas, all right, we can work on those things. But if you can demonstrate to your team that you're a great communicator, it's going to open up doors that you can't even imagine.
Absolutely. And and I think about just that responsibility and, and taking responsibility for communication because I think a leader and a manager who takes that responsibility on themselves is also empowered to change things for the better. Uh, whereas someone who makes excuses, I would imagine, um, you know, they're not seeing that path forward. Uh, I think of a situation that happened back in August. We talk about baseball a lot, but the Baltimore Orioles, they mm, suspended yes, one of Kevin their announcers. Brown. And some things have happened since then, But and he was reinstated. But he had, I think, just a, a pre-prepared statement about how the Orioles had performed against the Tampa Bay Rays prior to this year, which was very bad. And then this year they were doing much better. And, and so just sort of giving people watching the game that story. And he ended up getting suspended. Yeah. I remember, I remember seeing it too. And I watched the video. I kept thinking for, okay, you know, when does the video go off the rails and like, when does he get totally inappropriate or dog management? And it never came. And so, you know, to me, he was just, you know, being honest and, and as a good broadcaster, he's throwing out some numbers about, right. you know, how they had performed there, uh, which I, again, I think makes him a good broadcaster, not a bad broadcaster. Agree. And, and he was criticized for it. And to me, you know, when you look at the backlash, it, that all fell back on the ownership group because I think of poor communication, right? You know, the way that they handled that situation really made their, their fans and the team kind of second guess, you know, their direction. And even as a fan, and I'm just getting reports from, from various outlets, you can look at the situation and, and, and see that there was a breakdown of communication. You don't know exactly where, you don't know how it happened. But when you've got producers putting a segment together, you've got statistics, these are all approved beforehand. And, and, and it appears as though the owner just saw that as, as too negative. And fans have a different take, obviously, because we watch baseball all the time and we want to hear when, when things were bad, when things are good. We just like sitting and listening to statistics. So it didn't hit audiences the same way it hit that owner. And yeah, it just, it created a, a bit of a mess. You know, the, the, there's a great point, I think, that, to make about that is that in communication, your team knows the truth, right? So yeah. when you think about your current reality, and in that current reality was the Orioles hadn't played well, you know, down at, at Tropicana Field. We could uh, lie and about it. And by the way, who, who else, who did? Yeah, right? Right, exactly. They're one of the best teams in the league, right? Yeah. And the Orioles have, have struggled in recent years. I know they're, they're on the comeback and that's great. But the reality is, is that your team knows the truth and the score. I think this is another point that it's so important to be, be real with your team and, and communicate the obvious, you know, when all else is failing around you to stand there, you know, as, as the city's burning down and to say, Hey, we're good. That to me takes away trust because people can look and see the obvious and they're not going to trust you going forward. So when you think about your communication, I think it's always best from a leadership perspective to take things as they come to roll with it, but be honest right? Be transparent and let people know, here's where we are today. Even if we're going to change plans and we're going to be better, but yes, the reality of the situation today is this, hoping it gets better, but it doesn't do any good to try to mislead, you know, your, your fans and your team because now, now nobody trusts ownership. Right. And there's probably a lot that goes into that further back with that ownership group, but this is not a baseball podcast all the time. <laughs> So we'll, yeah. we'll move on. It seems on. to go that way at times. I don't know why it always does, but it I always think, comes I out. I think you and I, it, it's enough of a, of a Venn di diagram overlap and what we know about. So it, it's going yes. to come up. But practically speaking, I'm interested, while we still have time, and how communication is done today in agriculture, you know, among teams, customers, producers, how have email and cell phones and other technology changed communication? And I wanted to ask if you remember that Motorola chirp. 
<laughs> yes, yes. I was do, that actually. a big deal? I, was were people chirping each other in ag because I, I I remember that was a big deal. Yeah, I I had one actually as well. Now I can't say in ag it was ever a big thing. We're okay. we're typically years behind, and mm-hmm. so by the by the time we came around, I think probably uh, it was just regular cell phones, and w- then we went immediately into the iPhone. But you know, in in ag, and I think like anything, technology is is coming to the forefront. We've talked about it on other podcasts that this generation works with technology like like no other. And I don't think that that can be denied. And I don't think it should be. I think, you know, technology uh, in a lot of ways contributes to success and it's a great tool to use. One of the things I always want to caution the young people, though, to me, when I look at those successful, it still comes down to the old fashioned communication. Can you carry on a conversation? And so while it might be okay to text every now and then, it's good to be able to get out and get face to face. To me, a five-minute face-to-face conversation, a 10-minute face-to-face conversation is worth a thousand emails or texts. And so when I look at the technology, one of the things that I will say about the younger generation is it's their tendency to lean back on a text when probably a phone call is better or what's even better than that is to get in your truck and drive out and see your customer. And when I talk to the customers that I do, one of the complaints they have is about the younger people not as willing to get out and get face-to-face and shake hands. And look, we can learn a lot of information through a text or an email about what a market's going to do, what's the weather look like, what's the yield. But I can learn a lot more by shaking your hand and, and looking in your eye. So that's the one thing that I would caution younger, the younger generation is it's great to use, but don't make it the only source. Still get out there and, and get face-to-face when you can because there's nothing better than a conversation over, you know, face-to-face over coffee. You know, how people communicate, and not just in ag, but just in general, how people communicate has changed so much in our lifetimes. And it's changed more rapidly than it ever has. And what I've noticed is that there aren't set rules for how people expect to be communicated with on social media, text, email, calls. It's almost like everyone has sort of developed their own expectations and rules. So how important is it for an organization to set strong expectations for communication and to follow them and and make sure everyone's on the same page? That's a great question, Nicholas, because I I think it's so true. And this goes back to talking about leadership, you know, how it comes from the top. Uh, And I think that, you know, when you have the different generations coming together, that there can be, you know, kind of a, uh, just a clash of the titans there, how they do that. I'll give you a great example. I I was talking, I, I made a post about this on LinkedIn not long ago, but I have a good friend that's a manager. They call out to producers and they, they send emails and texts to give bids and just kind of some market commentary. And then, you know, what, what are the bids doing? And, and he got a call from a couple of his producers that had said, listen, you know, I'm getting texts from your intern, but they're using emojis. They're using, you know, acronyms, synonyms that I, I don't understand, you know, kind of uh, text talk, if you will. Right. And you know, ultimately the message was lost in translation. Now, you know, th- this isn't the end of the world. There was nothing inappropriate being, being said there, but it was just totally lost in translation. And in the process, they kind of, uh, the, the, the customer actually felt a little bit isolated, like, hey, I'm not getting the joke here. I, and I'm even worse, I'm not getting the information that I need to make my decisions or to call and to sell. And so this was a conversation that they had to have. And so I would say that you know, when it comes to things like this, clearly the leader and, and, and my friend actually had had mentioned that, you know, I put some of this back on me because I said, hey, you know, we can text. And I left it at that. I needed to be more specific with here's how we text. You know, here's what's appropriate. Here's what's not. Because I, I, that's a great point that you bring up that, you know, we do things a little bit differently. Again, if it's me, I'm going to pick up a phone or I'm, I'm going to know my customer base and say, hey, this person hangs out at this coffee shop every morning at 630 in the morning. I'm going to be there. As right. opposed to the new generation is going to say, look, I can knock out 50 texts 
and reach that many more, more customers, which is an awesome idea, but how we do it is important. You know, there are a lot of things that have made communication more convenient, but as I listen to you describe this, I don't think it's easier. I think you still have to get to know people, understand their expectations for how to communicate and work out a, a common understanding. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that comes from the top. Again, when, you, when we're bringing people on board as leaders, are we communicating? Are we letting them know what's acceptable, what's not? Because anything that you don't mention is considered free game, right? If you didn't bring it up, well, then I guess it's not a big deal and I can kind of do it how I see fit. You know, if you, if you know the communication is important and, you know, you know it's important that we use technology, okay, well, let's talk about the rules on how we do that. And so, again, it falls back on the leadership. You mentioned that connection between trust and communication. So important. How do you establish trust? That's a kind of a loaded question. Oh, man, that is too. And I, I tell you, I go, I go back and I think in my, in my career sometimes when, and I, and I gosh, I, I'm going to use the same example. I think I mentioned it on a different podcast talking about leadership and, and when you trust a leader. And I, I, I really remember the details of this well, that, that one of, uh, I was a young assistant and one of our dump pit workers had dumped a load of beans into a corn bin. And you know, obviously this is a big deal. You know, we don't want to mix grain. And I can remember they came to me asking me, you know, how, how they should handle it. And, and me as a young assistant, I said, well, look, you know, I, I think we should tell the manager. And this, this worker said, no, please don't mention this. It'll cost me my job. Uh, you know, they're not going to be willing to listen to kind of how this happened. And when, when he actually explained it to me, I understood that, you know, someone else actually was manning the pit at the time because he had other responsibilities and, and someone else was watching for him. And technically it was someone else's mistake and he didn't want to put it on them. But all that broke down because of a lack of trust, because they didn't feel that the leadership was willing to listen and say, you know what, I understand these things happen right. They thought there was too much at stake and they you know, begged me not to say anything. And ultimately I, I, I didn't. Um, but because of that, we paid the price when it comes out later and you get hit with a big FM discount. And, you know, looking back on that, you could clearly see that there was a breakdown in trust between the team and the leadership. And I think anytime you've got a situation like that, it's a dangerous situation. Not only that, but I think it overall, it hurts morale. It hurts the team. Things like that spread. It's going to hurt your ability to attract the best talent. If, you know, if our goal is to grow, we want to continue to bring on the best people uh, in the industry. And if the best people aren't willing to come aboard because of something like that, that, that's a big problem. And I think so. The lack of trust is a huge issue and something that leaders really, really need to ask themselves. I, I would encourage all of you listening right now, if you're in a leadership role, do your people trust you? Do they trust that you will do the right thing? It's so important. And it, establishing trust and maintaining trust, it's not just about being honest and being forthright. Like the example you gave is, is great. I also think of situations where it ties into our own time management. And this, I'm speaking from personal experience because I like to give deadlines to clients that make them happy, that make mm -hmm. them know that that product is coming soon. But if I don't manage my time well, I would have been better served telling them the truth and saying, you know what, it's going to take a little bit extra time. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. I, I'm guilty it, of the same. Yeah. So I, if people can't trust your word, it's not always just about what you're withholding. Sometimes it's about your own ability to keep up with what you promise. No, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah I agree. So how, how can we, it's kind of to wrap things up, uh, and, and we'll, like I said, we'll get back to this countless times, but how do you build a culture of communication? And since we said communication is everyone's responsibility, how does a manager do it? And how does someone who's new to the scene help it happen? I think that, as I mentioned, it starts with leadership. 
And I think the way that a leader goes about building that communication is showing one that they allow for open discussion and dialogue back and forth. Seek out your team, seek out their ideas, right? In a, in a meeting, show that you're willing and open to new ideas. Go around the room and ask for those ideas and listen and actually give them thought and have discussion. I think it's important for leaders to go around and engage face to face, you know, not just a company email about, you know, maybe goals and objectives or, or the schedule or the calendar for the month, but are you going up and you're, you're showing employees that you care? Hey, you know, how are things going? I've said this before to my managers. There's no, no better way to get in, especially new managers, new young managers, to get in with your team, to go sit in on their lunch hour and talk and get to know people. That's where the trust comes from. And that's when people start to open up and they open up and they have trust. That's when they start to, to build on that. And then that's how you ultimately become a cohesive team. And that's how you build culture ultimately. And so I think it's so important for leaders to set the stage there. And then the other side of that is, is when we're looking for new hires, we set the tone immediately. We're looking for communicators and also we're demonstrating to them, even as early as the first interviews, Yes. even if they're just a, a two minute face to face, we're showing them that, hey, communication matters to us. And it's, I think it's something for a long time that it didn't because I think we are still in that, you know, the, uh, with the baby boomers and upper management, that World War II hierarchy that, you know, you had to go through the chain of command. And ultimately, you know, it's, it's not that way anymore. And young, you know, young, even though they might be inexperienced, young professionals want the ability or the opportunity to go to the top and say, hey, I have an idea for us. And I think that, that we're better in that regard. And so I think that's good for all organizations. And we need to demonstrate to young people that we allow for communication. For candidates looking for organizations to work for, how can they identify an organization that has good communication in that interview process? So important. This goes back to, to the initial interview. Look at the people that are there representing the company. And this goes back to the leadership. If there's somebody who's asking you the canned questions, give me your GPA, you know, what, what, what was your internship, you know, what did you do, that, that kind of thing. If they're poor communicators, that to me is a red flag because that's a reflection back on the leadership. Leadership should be sending out the most vibrant, best communicators in the business because that's what they want to not only represent, but that's what they're looking for. And so when you see a company that's willing to send out people like that, that ask those canned questions, I think that's somebody that I kind of steer clear of. When you see organizations that send out the best people that are truly interested in learning about you, learning your story, those are the people that I make a connection with. And those are the people that I want to take it to the next level. And I think that's kind of a word of the wise to organizations. Beware of who you're sending out to do your interviews. Because again, you're being interviewed every bit as much as you're interviewing candidates these days. So it, right. it does matter. And I think back on interviews where I asked a question and the person didn't know, but they said, I'll, I'll find out for you. And they, and they followed up and, and that made an impression on me. So yeah, you, you get a feel for it, right? If there's right. a, if there's a back and forth, you know, you've made that connection versus, you know, just give me the one word answers and I'm, I'm taking notes, no eye contact. You know, to me, that's an issue. Absolutely. Well, Look, this has been a great conversation about communication. We're talking about talking. Like I said before, it's a little meta, but that's okay. You know, if you want to talk more about communication, whether you're coming from the standpoint of an organization or a candidate, Dustin, how can people reach you? As always, look me up on our website. You can reach out or I'm under LinkedIn as well. And, and I would encourage young people, when you have questions about this, please feel free to reach out. I, I love being used as a resource to give you tips on better communication and how you can get there or even communicating with maybe a manager that comes from a, a different generation and how to make that connection. So please feel free to re reach out. Always love uh, making those connections. 
that's so valuable. Uh, well, thanks again, Dustin. And you've been listening to Boot Pit to Boardroom, a podcast about opportunity in agriculture. Once again, thank you for everyone's ratings on iTunes. Please follow us on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss a new episode. And we'll be back in a couple weeks. Take care. <laughs>